Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another week of Don't Box Me In. You know, when you think of drug addiction, most often you only think about the person who is suffering from addiction. But sometimes there are some innocent bystanders who also get wrapped up in a person's drug use, and that is the children of the addicted. There are some some statistics out there uh, saying that three or four child welfare professionals say that children of addicted parents are more likely to enter foster care with 73% saying that children of alcoholics stay longer in foster care than do other children. It is estimated that parental substance abuse and addiction are the chief cause in at least 70 to 90% of all child welfare spending. Children of addicted parents are more likely to have anxiety disorders and show anxiety symptoms. Uh, my guest today, uh, she's working so hard to not become one of these statistics. As a, as the child of a mother who struggled with drug addiction, Andrea Vidalia Saucido has suffered a lot but refuses to let that determine her outcome. She joins me today to share her story and hopefully inspire others who might be going through what she has. Andrea, it is with pleasure that I welcome you to my show today. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. This means a lot. I've like, oh, no. I'm seriously like really excited to share what about what I have been going through. <laughs> so first my diary. So. Oh, no problem. So first of all, tell me, did I butcher your name? Yes. You, you mentioned my name correctly. Andrea Vidalia oh, Salcedo. Oh, Salcedo. Okay. Uh, we, me and my producer, we were kind of going back and forth about the pronunciation right before the show, so I'm glad I kind of didn't mess it up. So as of today, um, as we're doing the show, tell me, how old are you today? I am 20 years old. 20 years old, still a baby, and with a lot of stuff to share with people. And... Um, <laughs> Where where were you born? What city were you born in? I was born in Montebello. And for, my whole life I grew up in East LA. Okay. So for those who are not familiar, like how far away is Montebello from East LA or where's Montebello located? Can you Um uh, Montebello is like yeah, I would say it's like it's it's next to East Los Angeles. Uh huh. So yeah, it's just it's it's really little. Like it's like a little little town. <laughs> Okay, and so, like, after you were born, um, like, were you a baby when you guys moved to East L.A., or when did that happen? Uh, yeah, like, basically, like, my whole life, like, we lived with my, my grandma, and she lived in East L.A., just, I guess, okay. the hospital was in my Montebello. <laughs> okay, okay, and so do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have three little brothers. Michael just turned 16, uh, Jacob's 14, and little Oliver is 5. Okay, so you're the the older sister with three younger brothers. Yes, I'm the only girl too. <laughs> okay, okay, and um, let's let's start off like in the early years, like about elementary school. You live with your mom and your brothers and your grandmother. Was your father around? Uh, no, actually, my dad died when he was about like fifteen or sixteen. I was like two years old when this happened. Okay, so your your mom and dad were teenage parents yeah 
Okay. Okay. So your dad died when he was about 15 or 16. Did anybody tell you how he died? Um, well, one day, like, my grandma just kind of sat me down and was like, you know who this man is? And, like, she showed, like, a picture of him. I'm like, no, I don't know who that is. Like, that's that's your dad. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, because I guess I thought my brother's dad was my dad the whole time. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. So the grandmother, is that your mother's mom? Yeah, it's my, it's. Okay, my grandmother is basically my mother's mom, but also my adoptive mom. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, are you? So, are you? um, I guess what I want to get it. Since your father died at such an early age, do you have any contact with your dad's side of the family? Oh yes, yes I do. Like I actually like really, really get along with like my my grandma, which is like my dad's mom. And, you know, she always tells me, like, every day, like, you act just like your father. I'm like, how so? She's like, <laughs> he was very, like, giving and, like, he was very giving and, like, carefree. And he was very smart. And whatever he wanted, he went for it. Good deal. Good deal. So I'm assuming since he was so young, you're the only child that your dad had, right? Yes. Oh, okay. And do you have uncles and aunts on that side of the family, too, as well? Yes. Okay, cool stuff. And, um... So back in elementary school, it was you and your your brothers and your mom and your grandmother all living together in the same house. Can you tell me what do you remember about your like the younger days in life? What I remember is um, waking up like like every day like five thirty in the morning, and I remember this was like about like maybe the second or third grade. I would always wake up at five thirty in the morning. To always make sure my grandma had her two glasses, which one glass was water, one glass was milk, to make sure she always took her pills. Wake up all, wake up my brothers to make sure they're ready for school and all that. Make sure all their stuff is like completely ready. Get breakfast done for them. Wake up my mom because I make, I have to make sure she's like fully awake because I don't want her to fall back asleep if my brothers have to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then I got myself dressed. Wow, it's a lot yeah, of responsibility. And- yeah, it really is. And sometimes, like, I mean, not to make my mom sound bad or anything, but, like, sometimes when my mom wouldn't wake up, I was, like, letting my brothers know, no, you will not be late to school. I'm not going to get anyone in trouble. So I would walk to school myself and then just catch mm. the bus from there. So just for the visual, like, where you guys live, was it far to get to school or...? For my brother's school, no, it wasn't. Thank God it was only, like, a 10-minute like a walk. Okay. Yeah. And then you had to for get yourself to school harder. afterwards. Yeah, well, for me, it was a lot harder because, like, what, since my school was, like, on a hill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Yeah, um, other than that, like, I, I think I, I missed the elementary school days. It seemed like why it was, well, it was a little bit more simpler. Yeah. And then, so, um... So during this time, you're telling me you had to get up at 5.30 in the morning, you had to get your, you know, your brothers ready for school and all that stuff. The aunts and uncles or cousins, was there anybody else around, like, kind of active in the family or helping you guys out, or it just was you and your mom and your grandmother, basically? Yeah, that's it. It was just us. Wow. And, um... Thinking back, you know, now that you're 20 years old, thinking back, you, you did mention that you were at a young age. 
getting your brothers and stuff ready. When do you think you became aware that there was something wrong, that your mother had a problem? It was um, basically around the time when I was 17 because, like, that's when me and my brothers got taken away into foster care. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, like, when they took us away, um, like, I remember the lady, like, that picked us up and took us to, like, the, the kids' center and all that. She was letting us know, do you know the reason why, like, I, you know, we, we brought you guys in today. And I was like, no, like, is it, and I, I thought it was my fault. At that time, I was doing bad in, like, school. Like, mm-hmm. I was, like, ditching, and, or sometimes when I would go to school, I would just go to school really, really late. Mm-hmm. And, um... I was like, is it my fault? Because I don't think my brothers should be involved. They're like, no, not your fault whatsoever. Like, you know, we were there, like, we tested your mom, and, you know, she came out dirty. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> my my so, mom doesn't do drugs. Like, wow. I, I, so, like, I was really in denial. So you're 17 when you find out. So let's go back to, like, your younger days. There was never... And I know it might be hard because sometimes we block things or we're just young and we don't remember. But so yeah. your early age, you never saw any evidence of your mom using drugs or anything? No, I just felt like she was just always mad at me. I felt like I was just always getting her, like, really upset because it seemed like no matter what I did, no matter what I said, like, it made her so mad. And whenever mm-hmm. I told her, like, Mom, I want to hang out with my friends. Like, can I just go hang out with my friends? She's like, you need to take care of your brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like there was no way out of it. And the only way there, there was out of it was when I said, oh, um, how about if I take my brothers with me to the mall? Like, I really want to be with my friends. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. As long as I was taking care of them, then that was it. Wow. So you, you mentioned that one of the things that your mother kind of forced on you um, – was the responsibility of taking care of your younger siblings. How do you think, in other ways, that her drug use affected her parenting skills? Um, it just... I mean, think about it. Like, she she took my childhood away. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... I, I'm, like, the only, like, person that doesn't get to say, like, yeah, like... You know, I got to do this. I got to do that. Like, I got to hang out with my friends most of the time. It's, it's like, it was, uh, I hated it. And I remember my grandma would always yell at me, like, why don't you tell your mom something? And mm-hmm. I always felt like I couldn't tell my mom anything because whenever I tried opening up, like, hey, you know, I I don't think it should be my responsibility to take care of your own kids. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. your job, like, you know? Yes. But I didn't. I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Like every time when I I would try opening up, she would just start crying like automatically and talk about how much of a horrible mother she is. And like mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. Like that was mine and my brother's fear was like to not make her cry. So but, was she like working or anything or or what was she no. doing in life? No. So she basically no, she, was at home with your grandmother all the time. Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming since your grandmother was there, did she try to speak up for you f- sometimes and, you know, say, hey, you know, daughter, you, you can't mess up my granddaughter's childhood like this? Yeah, she basically told her, like, what are you doing to your kids? Like, mm-hmm. you're putting your daughter to take care of your own kids. 
she's like she should be out there like having fun and all that like you know being her young self and I would hate when my like my grandma and my mom would fight and I always felt like it was my fault like this okay I was like I shouldn't have said anything I shouldn't have complained because then Mm. you know this happened and not only that I always worried for my grandma like making sure she didn't get too mad or anything so what kind of repercussions would you have to suffer? Like you, you mentioned your mother getting mad all the time. Like what types of things would she she do when she was upset with you? She would just like yell at me and all that. And like mm-hmm. sometimes like sometimes like she would either yell at me like through her door. Which that's one of the things I hated. I had more communication with her, her room door and her face. Mm-hmm. But like. I don't know. It's just it would get to me. It's like, like she says she claims that it, she never said that, but it's like, why would I remember that since I was a kid? Since I was little, she would always tell me, like, you know, why did I end up like, like having you? I guess I wasn't fit to be a mother and all that. And you know, it always hurt my feelings. It just, I think that's why I took it to heart that mm-hmm. I felt like everything was just my fault. Like, everything I said, everything, like, I felt like I could have done and all that. And, mm. um, yeah, like, even when I got taken away into foster care, like, um, in therapy sessions, like, they would say, like, you know, you shouldn't take your mother's responsibilities, like, everything else, like, to heart and all. And I would always be like, well, I don't get it. I think... I think I'm supposed to take care of my brother. Isn't that what a big sister is? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it is, but there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And I, I was very motherly, like, with my brothers. Like, everything that they did, and, like, I was just, especially with school. Like, if not, if I can't be, like, a mother to them, then the least I can do is be, like, the greatest role model I can be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I guess it all comes with having the responsibility thrown on you of having to be the caretaker for three younger siblings you know it just you you get into the routine of this seems normal this is what we've always done so this must be what I'm supposed to do but as a child you don't know that no I'm supposed to be a child yeah Okay, Andrea. Well, right now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, uh, we're going to start talking about uh, your days in foster care. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I have been speaking with young lady, young 20-year-old lady, Andrea, before the break. Um, you had mentioned a couple of times um, that you were placed in foster care. Uh, can you tell me, dear, how old were you when you went to foster care? I was 17 when this happened. Hmm, that's, for California, I guess that's kind of a tricky age. You're kind of almost old enough to not be placed in foster care. What, what... What was the circumstances or situation that caused you to be placed in foster care? Um, well, I guess, like, uh, the thing is how it all started was we, like, had, like, my aunt, like, living just for a little bit, like, just for a little bit with us, like, basically towards a couple of months before we got taken away and all that. Mm-hmm. And it was just for her to get on her feet. That was the deal. We are like, it doesn't matter if you don't have a job or anything, whatever you can do for yourself and all that. 
and that's fine. But we didn't know she had, like, a bunch of pets with her, and, you know, my grandma didn't like that. And since already, like, someone, like, called saying that, that there's people coming in and out of my house, so when we kicked her out, uh, she called Children's Services on us and said that my mom's, like, dirty and all this and that the kids that uh, are always taken care of by the daughter, AB. Um, mm-hmm. And after that, when they tested my mom, my mom came out dirty on both, uh, well, I don't think I should say what substance, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and that's pretty much the reason why. I mean, when they told us, like, the reason why, I, I was I was just kind of like, wait, what? What do you mean? I was like, my mom doesn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, no, she doesn't. She's not the type to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, like, she did come out dirty on this, and they showed me the paperwork, and I was just like, no, like. Mm-hmm. And I figured, okay, I'm just going to be back home in two weeks. Like, I, they can't just take me in like that. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, and then not only that, since me and my brothers weren't really, like, doing good in school. Mm-hmm. So I think those were the, the main reasons why. So this this sister that, or this aunt, I guess I should say, that she got kicked out and she was mad, and in retaliation she called social services. This is your mother's sister? No, she's a, like, cousin. Like Oh, like a cousin. cousin, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so how long were you in foster care then for? Um, I would say for about until like, until I was like 18 around June. Cause that's when they finally like closed my case. Cause, um, the thing with like foster kids is like, when you turn 18, you age out of the system. Mm-hmm but you're still offered help. Okay. So since I was going to be on my own and all that, they offered me transitional housing. Transitional housing is basically like apartments that's that's offered to you, but you have to be working and going to school, and all the money that you put in for rent is basically put into a trust fund for you. So Mm -hmm. that way when the program ends, all the money that, like, you, like, put in is given to you. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. When you were in foster care, were you with your brothers in foster care, or did they go someplace else? Yes. Um, me and my brothers got, like, taken away and got sent to Victorville. Mm-hmm. And Victorville is, like, really, really, really far from, like, um, <laughs> from where we were. I was yeah, like, oh, my goodness. There's, like, there's like no stores. It's just dirt. <laughs> Yeah, for the audience who's listening, who's not aware of California, uh, Victorville is definitely Booneyville, California. I guess it's, uh, what is that, maybe like an hour away from Los Angeles County, uh, northern. It's actually northern. two hours away. <laughs> two hours, yeah. So it's, it's way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so this foster home that you guys were put in was in Victorville. Um, what do you remember about foster care and the parents that you had? First off, let me say I am very very grateful for the foster parents that I had my foster parents um, Victor and Sonia they were literally like the best they were very understanding and they were there for us to the fullest Mm -hmm. like 
I don't know. I guess my grandma got really attached to them, too. She's like, oh, my God, you're taking care of my baby. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I remember from them is they would always, like, try to talk to us, like, you know, we understand, like, we, you know, we took another kid in, like, before and all that. And, like, if there's things you don't want to talk about, you don't have to talk about it. If there's things you do want to talk about, we'll talk about it. If you want to, yeah. like, like go somewhere and, like, just be stress-free or whatever, let us know. We're here for you. We're not mm-hmm. just paid to just, like, take care of you. We're also, like, we care for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that like, that was good and all that. Like, uh, I just really, really, really hated school, though, because, I mean, I mean, who likes being the new kid, you know? Yeah, especially at 17. I mean, that's that's a rough age to be thrown into a new school system. So you were yeah. still struggling with you were still struggling with school and foster care. Yeah, but they will trust me. They made sure like I was going to school every day, even when I was like sick and all that. I had to go to school. <laughs> so I guess you went to um, Victorville High. Uh, uh, no, I went to Silverado High. Okay, okay. And your your brothers, uh, how did they do with school? Did they get any better with school as well? Yeah, actually, they actually approved, like, a lot more, like, um, they got put into, like, this, like, little, like, elementary academy thing, mm-hmm. and I swear, like, I've never seen my brothers, like, after that, like, just so excited, like, to just work and all that, and, but then I realized, like, my brothers were telling me, like, yeah, like, think about it, if we do good in school, we'll be able to go back home. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, home. Oh. <laughs> Did you guys have any contact with your mom during this time? Yes, we were only allowed to talk to her. Um, it was every single night at eight o'clock, and mm-hmm. only for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then our we would have our visitations on Saturdays. On Saturdays, like in the morning, what we would do is we would wake up like six in the morning, get dressed, whatever, have breakfast and all that, and then we drive halfway to West Covina, we stop at this um, place where we sign in, let them know, like, hey, we're going to have a visit today, whatever, let them know, blah, 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 and then drive, um, like, drive towards, like, somewhere, like, halfway where we could meet my mom, because we couldn't mm-hmm. go all the way to, like, my area, so we always had to meet, like, halfway. Yeah, gotcha. So what was your mom doing this whole time when you guys were in foster care? Was she still with your grandmother, or was she in some sort of program maybe, or, or what? She was, from what I remember, she was still at home with my grandma, like, helping her out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, that's all that she was, like, pretty much doing. I was hoping, like, she would get into a program right away, but she didn't get herself into a program so maybe like like eight months after like me and my brothers got out of uh the foster home in victorville and then started getting taken care of by my my brother's aunt mm-hmm. was, like in pomona so i had to move again pomona but you're 18 at this time though probably right or you're close to 18 i was close to 18 okay okay so you guys are you're, you guys are in foster care, and I'm sure that they're telling your mother in order to get your kids back, there's some things you got to do. Um, I'm, I guess I'm hearing your mother wasn't taking care of that on her end. No, no, she wasn't. 
Wow. Okay. So then uh, there comes a time where you guys go to stay with your brother's aunt. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. And how how long were you there at your brother's aunt's house? We were, I, from what I remember, we were there for maybe like about like nine to ten months. At least I was there nine to ten months. My brothers are still there as we speak. Okay. Okay. So they are doing well there in that house or? Yes. They, oh my God, they're doing so much better. Like from what I hear, like my, my brother Michael, which like his birthday just passed, um, He's in high school right now, and, you know, he has a good head on his shoulders. Like, he told me himself, like, I cut a lot of people off, like, from mm-hmm. my life. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to deal with drugs or any gangs right now. And he's like, right now, like, my main focus is to do good in track, do awesome in school. And that way, when I'm done with high school, I can get into a university that I really want to go to. And, I was, and when I heard him say that, I was like, oh, my God. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, you guys, you guys are at your aunt, your brother's aunt's house after foster care. I just want to go back. Is your mom? What is she doing now? Is she? She's still not. She's still doing badly, or no? She was at this like um, religious like program called the Shiloh. Okay. And she was doing awesome. Like, I loved it. Like, I noticed the connection with me and my mom. Like, it was, like, she was so easier to talk to, like. Mm-hmm. And, like, she seemed more loving and, like, everything. And then she admitted a lot of things, like, to me. And But she thanked me for always, like, being there and all that. And, you know, like, it felt good. I was like, okay, I think from here, me and my mom are going to do good. It's going to take gonna take some baby steps but mm-hmm. like I think we're good from here but then um after that like I don't know like I started noticing like little like slips here and there see the thing I caught on with my mom is if she gets e- easily defended by whatever mm-hmm. I say it automatically brings me back to like memories of like when I was like way younger mm-hmm. so that's how I know when she's lying to me or not type of thing. But while she was in the program, yes, she was doing good. She was actually getting a little bit bigger, putting on some weight instead of being all puny, puny. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, like I don't know, she had a lot of faith. And then okay. she basically always let my, me and my brothers know like how much she loves us and how she'd be willing to do anything just to have us back again. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Miss Lady, we're going to take our uh, next break of the day, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, another tragic day for you in your life. But stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com with your host, Lana Reed. Hey, 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 I am back, and I am talking with Andrea today. Uh, Miss Lady, uh, February 6, 2011, uh, was a very tragic day for you. Can you tell me what happened? Um, that day was the day that I lost 
my other half, which was my grandma. Mm -hmm. Um, Why was your grandmother so important to you? Because not only was she like, you know, my grandma, but she was, she, she was my mom to me. Like, she was there for me, like, through everything. She was the most jolliest person you could ever meet, the most kindest person, the most straight up person ever. Not only was she there for me, but she was there for a lot of, like, my friends, too. Wow. And, you know, she was literally, like, my other half, and I was named after her. Okay. Okay. Now, when she passed away, you and your mom and her were all living together, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And what happened as a result of your grandmother passing away? Uh, right when she passed away, I guess the thing is, uh, she signed up for reverse mortgage. And mm-hmm. knowing my grandma, I think she didn't understand what it was. I think the only thing she understood was money was going to be given to her type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when she went, our, our childhood home went too. And therefore, mm-hmm. my mom was left homeless. Mm-hmm. after that and it was really really harsh for me like I remember like right when I couldn't that's the thing that gets me so mad I couldn't be there when she was dying I was there when she was sick like that's the thing that like I thank my aunt for was that she let me stay with my grandma while she mm-hmm. was sick and you know the doctor said oh she's gonna be fine she's gonna be like dancing tomorrow so I was like okay good that means I could go home Mm-hmm. So as soon as I went home that day, uh, later on, like, I get a call saying, like, you know, your grandma just had her last breath right now. I'm like, whoa, mm. I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean, her, her last breath? Like, yeah, like, it just, it, it got to me all at once. And then I told, I told my aunt, she drove me and my brother straight over there. And I just, I, I was just. So it's like just seeing my grandma and it just looked like she was just resting but mm-hmm. I knew for a fact and then after mm-hmm. that like I had a, a the day of her funeral I um I wrote her a poem I wrote her a poem and I said I I said you know you lived for me so now I'll live for you Mm-hmm. And that was basically the the title of the poem. I was basically letting you know, thank you for everything. You really didn't have to be there. You know, you were there for not only, like, my tears and my fears, but <laughs> you were there for all the love and everything above. Amazing. And um, I remember when they made me do, like, a speech and all that, and I was telling everyone, you know, I know we're all sad and all that, and we don't want her to go. But one thing my grandma mentioned was she doesn't want anyone sad at her funeral. Don't remember, don't remember about the way how she died, but Mm -hmm. just keep in your hearts and remember the way how she lived. So that's what I kept with me to like, kind of like keep my optimistic ways like going. Mm -hmm. And even when we lost the house and all that, and like my mom was like homeless and all that. What I mm-hmm. would do is like the like the TV that was like 
like, given to me by my grandma before she died and all that. I sold that TV. I sold my car that was given to me so that my mom could, like, have money. And then I convinced, like, the program she was at, like, to let her stay there. And my mom was always self-conscious, like, about her teeth. So Mm -hmm. I I talked to her dentist being like, you know, can we work out something where I, like, since I'm selling my car, like, you know, you work on her whole jaw. And he was willing to do that. So I did that for her and all that, and uh, after that, like, I started noticing, like, my my little brother, Jacob, like, he was just not doing good in school, and I'm like, no, Jacob, you don't, you don't want to fall back to that, and he's like, well, you know, what am I going to do good for now? He's like, where are we going to go now? It's like, we were working so hard to go back home, and now where are we going to go back to? We're going to stay here? Okay, and so they did like, not want to stay with the aunt. They were trying to get back to your grandmother's house. My brother Jacob, yeah. My other brother, no. He was fine where he was at. Okay, okay. So your mom is homeless, but in programs, I guess that's giving her a place to stay. And once again, you become the caretaker and start trying to sell stuff to provide for your mother. Um, you're, you're on your own in your own apartment now at this time? When this was happening? Um, I, I, I had my own apartment, but now I am currently living with a friend because when I had my apartment, like, I lost the job that I had and then I couldn't, you know, keep up with, like, putting cash in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but either way, I get to have my own apartment again, like, when I turn 21. Okay, and it's still part of that program, the foster care program? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Okay, so um, was your mother homeless long or... Or is she still yes. homeless? I should. She's still homeless. Yes. Okay. And how how long has it been? So this is two thousand. So this is two years now. Yes. Um. Do you you keep up with your mom? Um. Right now that I know of, she goes house to house with friends, and um, I love my mom and everything, but. I need to not always keep in contact with her because I notice my mom depends on me, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, come on, like, I'm young. I'm trying to get my life together and all that. Like, you know, yeah, I'm going to school and all that, but I'm also trying to look for a job again. And, like, you know, I have to focus on me. It's me time. It's no more of my mom's responsibility. My mom is a grown woman, and I should have thought about that a long time ago, you know. She, she can take care of herself. True, true. So you are, you've got some goals that you're trying to accomplish. What what do you have in the game plans? What are you trying to do with yourself? Well, for one thing, I wanna I wanna finish school. I I wanna finish the the community college I'm going to right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, after I finish with that school, I wanna see what university like is right for me. Because right now I'm mm-hmm. majoring in theater. And okay. since I was, yeah, since since I was little, like, I've always wanted to be an actress. Not only just an actress, but also a poet. Mm-hmm. Like, anything with writing or being part of a play, that's everything that I want to do. Cool. Cool. I guess, you know, as a kid, in your situations that you were going through, uh, theater and stuff is a, is a great way to escape all your problems, too, as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So you, um... You're at a community college and you're doing that. And are you still looking for work or you found a job? 
Um, I'm still looking for work. Like um, earlier today, I was actually job hunting. <laughs> good deal. Good deal. Are you um, in the East LA area still? Yes. Okay. Okay. And your college is in the East LA area, or you're commuting for that? Yes. Yeah, okay, it's, so you, it's um, basically East LA and borderline of Monterey Park. Okay, and you mentioned you you sold your car, so I'm assuming you have no transportation. So you're you're struggling to find a job, and you're you're busting it everywhere. Yes. Determination. Okay, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Um, let me ask. Uh, based on everything that you've been through. Uh, how do you feel about eventually becoming a parent? Or are you a parent now? Maybe I should ask that first. Oh, no, no, no. I feel like my brothers are the only kids that are in my life right now. <laughs> oh, okay. How do, you, how do you feel about parenting or becoming a parent? Are you... Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to have kids someday. But when I'm financially stable and, yeah, like, basically when I'm ready, I'll, I'll be ready. But. Right now, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm still trying Good to deal. get like everything together, trying to like work with everything that I'm trying to accomplish. Good deal. Good deal. And so, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you feel it's time for you to do you and live your life, which is very correct. Are you still actively involved in mothering your younger brothers or have you kind of let them grow up and be young men themselves and take care of their own responsibilities? Um, I still keep in contact with them, and, you know, I told them no matter where we go, no matter how far we are from each other, like, I'm always going to be your big sister, and I'm still going to look after you guys and all that. But as far as, like, what I used to do before, you know, obviously that won't work out. It can't be the same. And <laughs> my brothers understand, and my, me and my brothers, like, I would say we're a lot more closer than how we were before. Because now I'm just known as like their sister. <laughs> before <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what were you known as before? Uh, the big sister that always told them what to do, told them what time they could come back, told them like where they could go. Now I'm just like, you know what? You know what's right and what's wrong, so go for it. <laughs> Good deal. All right, love, we're going to take our very last break of the day, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, you moving forward. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I have spent the day talking to a young lady who's been through a lot but um, has not let that slow her down. Uh, Miss Andrea, um, at the beginning of this interview, I asked you how old you were, and you said you were 20 years old. And I asked because a lot of times we tend to dismiss young people as an experience and, you know, lacking any knowledge to teach anybody anything because they still have a lot of learning to do themselves. Uh, but I want to commend you because, you know, in talking to you, you sound so positive, so upbeat, so optimistic, you know, with goals and plans and vision. Uh, what do you attribute to Where did you get that from? I honestly would say I got it all from my grandma. Mm-hmm. 
like all the positivity and everything and like basically everything the way how I look at life is because of the way how my grandma raised me mm-hmm. you know she basically told me like if you want something you will do anything anything in your power to get it mm-hmm. and, you know just remember you know the things you want it's not going to come that easy in your hands you got to work hard for it and hard mm-hmm. work is guaranteed going to get you all the way to the top Okay. Good deal. And you mentioned that you kind of keep minimal contact um, with your mom. Do you ever, you actually ever see her? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, sometimes when I actually do just want to check up on her, like, I'll, I'll call her and, you know, hey, mom, like, how are you and all that, you know, she'll let me know. And that's about it. It's just basically small talk. I don't I don't really ignore my mom, but I try my best to make sure I don't, like, go out of my way to see her. If mm-hmm. it's important, like, for me to see her, then, of course, you know, like, I'll go. But other than that, I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to focus more on myself and what I have to do. Good deal. And um, do you happen to know if she keeps in touch with your brothers, or is it about the same contact? Um. Well, she tells me like, like she's like she'll she'll call them and all that. But um, the thing is, with my brothers, is like they don't hate her or anything, but they're very like distant with her. But then again, I don't I don't blame them because they feel like. Mm. I feel like my mom didn't try hard enough to get them, so they're just, like, they want to try to talk to her, but at the same time, it's like, it hurts to talk. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, um, you and your brothers, do you guys go to, or did you go to family therapy together? Um, we all had, we all had the same therapist. We didn't have family therapy. And your mother was never with you guys when you had therapy? It was just always individually? No, and the only time when we had a confrontation like that was when, I guess, uh, mine's and my brother's therapist uh, talked to my aunt that we were living with, mm-hmm. and, you know, my aunt felt like it was only right that we confront my mom, like, about this. So when we confronted her about it, like, I mean, she cried and all that, but it was still, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just me holding on to a grudge, but, you know, I, I just... I, I always remind her whenever she gets me mad, I just, I always remind her, like, you know, you have nothing to complain about. Like, what you took from me and, like, how you were with me and my brothers, like, that's no excuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It always comes up to that. And I don't mean it to, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, that's, that's valid. You have, you have valid feelings there. Um, now I want to say you, you've gotten to a place in life where, You've gotten your vision and your goals for yourself, and you're on path, um, and you know where you want to go. Uh, if you could call it, if in your your dream of all dreams, what would you hope for your mother? I would hope for my mom just to be clean. That's all. Like that's all, because I feel like if she were clean, she would understand a lot more with what's going on. And, you know, even though she lost her parents' rights and all that, the least she could do is, like, stay clean and try to do her best to spend more time with, like, 
with like my brothers by seeing them or like going to their games and all that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's all that, that I wish for, for her. Okay. And just so that I can clarify this for the audience, your cycle or your mother's cycle has been a very long time because when you first started telling us the story, you were in the second grade. You're now 20 and your mother's still struggling with this. So this has been quite a long time that, you know, this has been, this the sickness has been eating at your mom. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. If you had to say something or uh, give some advice to children or young people, young adults who have went through what you went to, what would you say to them? I think I would say... I would say, you know, obviously life isn't always like rainbows and butterflies. But for you, like, you're the only person that can make the best out of it. Don't let anyone, anyone tell you, like, you're wrong or all that or you'll never make it. Because the only person you can really depend on is yourself. And it, it only takes is you and, like, the power inside you to do, you know, what you want and where you want to get at in life. Me... Like, yeah, I have gone through, like, a lot and all that. But to be honest, I don't regret any of that. I'm I'm actually glad that all that happened because since that happened, you know, I felt like nothing can knock me down. Nothing can knock me down from what I want to do in life and from what I'm trying to, like, show my brothers. Like, show my brothers that, you know, I'm trying to be the best role model that I can be and to let them know, like, no matter what you go through, you can always get what you want. Just put your heart and everything into it. All like it just it can happen. It really could. There is no such thing as I can't. True, true, and that, that is a wonderful outlook to have. Now, um, for myself and for my listening audience, because I did catch that you're currently looking for a job. In the past, what kind of jobs have you had, and what kind of jobs are you looking for? Uh, I was surprised that my first job ever was um, Tommy Hilfiger. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I, I didn't do, like, obviously, like, the bestest and all that, but <laughs> thank God, like, my boss was actually like, look, I understand. This is your first job and all that, so <laughs> I'm going to help you out. I'm going to make sure, like, you're okay, because I like you. You're very polite. And I'll, I'm so sorry. Like I don't, I don't mean to. Like you know, be horrible and folding. Folding is not my best skill. <laughs> but yeah, like they they were really helpful. So it was mostly in, in retail where I, I got a good job, and it, it was let's see, Tommy Hilfiger. Um, I was in this vacuum company. It was like canvassing and all that. Ooh. Um. And then I had a Halloween job, and then I got an internship. Okay. So there's are, are the the program that you're in do they help you get a, a job or or is the schooling that you're in the community college do they help you get a job or you're just out there winging it yourself? Yes. Even even the last job that I have like they they help you find jobs. So okay. it's just it's just basically also up to me because, you know, I mean, you know how you can't really just depend like on anything and all that so you kind of got to put yourself completely out there like every day good deal 
Good deal. So you're out there on the, the internet and turning in your resumes and hitting the pavement looking for a job, right? Oh, you bet. Trust me. I've met already so many managers. So I'm just like, come on. Just call me back. I'm your girl. Good, uh, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Miss Lady, uh, I am at the end of my hour, and I have been so tickled to talk to you. I mean, um, I, I cannot commend you enough for being such a young person and keeping your head, you know, high in spite of everything that you have gone through and uh, being such a role model for your younger brothers. I'm pretty sure when they excel in life, they'll look back and say, you know, if my younger, I mean, my older sister hadn't have been there, you know, who knows where I would have been. So um, you are to be commended. And the fact that you're going to pursue your goals no matter what, you know, that's also awesome and amazing. Um, so I just want to, you know, congratulate you and encourage you in any way that I can to keep on doing what you're doing. And uh, you're an amazing young lady. And thank, thank you for making you. thank you for making time to speak with me today. Oh, 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 Miss! Thank you for taking the time to hear my story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my pleasure, my pleasure. That is all for this week's show. Uh, I have been speaking with. Let me butcher her name one more time, Andrea Vidalia Saucedo. And uh, like I said, she's an amazing lady. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and you can visit my website at lanareed.com. Until next time, I look forward to connecting with you.